Welcome to the Moms Who Create podcast with me, Kelly Heil. In this podcast, I'll be interviewing incredible creatives who are also moms. Motherhood doesn't mean we have to stop making art or stop writing our books. It means that now we have new tiny fans rooting us on. Join me in conversation about doing what we love alongside raising the ones we love. I'm an artist, self-published author, and mom of two daughters. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get talking. This is Moms Who Create, the art of motherhood. But especially being an entrepreneur, just taking the risk too, because it's scary, especially launching a business. You don't know where it's going to go and where it's going to take you. But if you have the passion for it and you've been, if it's been like nagging at you for a long time that you really want to do this, you should just jump in and do it because that's, I feel like that's yourself telling you that you really need to pursue this and it's not going to go away. You're just going to keep thinking about, I should, you know, write this book or I should start this Etsy business and I'm finally going to do it. Today's guest is Michelle Tucker. Michelle is a mom to two young boys. She's a writer, an entrepreneur, and a marketer based in Philadelphia. Through her bubble tea merchandise company, Bitsy Boba, she has published two coloring books for all ages. She also wrote a book of conversation starters for children. It's called Questions for Kids, 500 Family-Friendly Questions to Get Kids Talking. Michelle's also passionate about advocating for missing persons, and she researches for two true crime podcasts. She's an avid traveler and has been to more than 40 countries. So be inspired by her and all that she's accomplishing. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Kelly? Thanks for having me. Great. Yeah, thanks for being here. So go ahead and tell me about you and a bit about all you do and all the hats you wear. Okay, great. Well, my name is Michelle Tooker. I am based in the Philadelphia area where I live with my husband and my two sons. They're ages two and five. We also have a cat uh, named Princeton. <laughs> who? Uh, so between the three, I say I'm outnumbered because it's all boys in this house. But um, yeah, between all of that, it's you know a lively household here. And um, until very recently, I worked in higher education marketing since 2008, actually, and. Um, Due to the pandemic and seeing some of the uh, time I was missing with my kids between commuting and working a lot, I decided to leave my marketing director job in August and pursue my writing career and my small businesses full-time. So I've been doing that full-time since August and also just spending more time with my kids while they're little and before they enter the school system. You know, if it's a nice day out, I could take them to the park or, you know, go to the museum or whatever it is we can do just to make some of those memories um, and be there for them as much as I can. And uh, awesome. I have a small business called Bitsy Boba and it's themed around bubble tea or boba merchandise, gifts and apparel. Uh, and then through that, I've published two coloring books, the Boba coloring book, which is the first one I published around this time last year. And then just last month, I released the Boba coloring book Christmas edition. So both of those books fe- feature illustrations themed around bubble tea and cute characters, whether it's animals or for the Christmas one, Santa, elves, you know, um, bubble tea, throwing snowballs, all sorts of cute stuff like that. And it's for all ages. And, um, yeah, those two books are doing pretty well. And that's what got me into self-publishing and um, going into, you know, creating books, at, which is something I always wanted to do. And then my other small business is called Trivia Town Books, which through that I publish a children's book 
called Questions for Kids, 500 Questions to Get Kids Talking. And it's all about uh, icebreakers and conversation starters that you can do with your kids. Um, some of my readers have actually said they, they like it for adults too, like, uh, you know, church groups and ESL learners, they use the questions for them. And it's just a fun way to like put down the screens or if you're waiting around and you want to do something to, to, to spend your time as ask these questions, it's full of like, would you rather questions or hypothetical questions, funny questions, all sorts of things like that. And then finally, in addition to that, um, I do still do some freelance marketing work. And then I also do some research for two true crime podcasts as well. Wow. It's so cool that you're doing like the bubble tea boba thing. I haven't seen that done before. Now, maybe I'm not like, I haven't researched it enough, but just, you know, as far as coloring books, even this is so unique. And I actually, I just ordered your book a few days ago. I think it was like a Black Friday special. And I ordered that. I can't wait to get that. My kids are going to love it. Yeah. So, thank you for that. Thanks for the support. Yeah. Tell me what diverted you into just wanting to become an entrepreneur and do your own thing. Sure. Well, um, I've sort of had the entrepreneurial spirit since I was a kid. I, I used to, um, actually started on eBay back in like 1997 and 1998. I would try and make like stuff with the Backstreet Boys or, uh, InSync and, and Hanson, all the boy bands back then. Um, That's awesome. yeah, and actually, I mean, eBay kind of put the kibosh on it for copyright issues, but as a kid, I, I didn't know I'd cut out pictures of magazine and make these like little jewelry boxes to sell. So that's sort of how I got started as an entrepreneur. And from there, I just always had like an eBay account. I got my husband into it when we met in college and he's like, I mean, that's his been his full-time thing for several years now. So I've been around that for a long time. So I always had that mindset. But then specifically with Bitsy Boba, um, I discovered Bubble Tea when I was on a study abroad experience back in 2005. And then I saw it become more popular in the States and more accessible. And my friends all knew that I've always loved it. So even acquaintances, they would send me like, look, you know, this company came out with a Bubble Tea necklace and a, and a shirt and a boba, um, sweatshirt. And I said, Oh, that's interesting. Everyone always sends me that. And I was looking for something very specific. I wanted like a really cute Guinea pig with boat drinking boba sweatshirt. And I couldn't find it anywhere. And I said, I should just create one. Like I should hire an illustrator and create it myself. And then when the pandemic hit, um, you know, we keep pretty busy on weekends and such, but all that social stuff was, was done. So I found myself, even though I have two kids and at the time my youngest was a newborn, um, I still found that I had a little bit more free time. So I decided, let me try it. Let me put together this, this boba business that I've been thinking about for a few years now. And yeah, I launched it officially in June, 2020 and just have been slowly growing it from there. And the coloring book was one of the first ideas I had when I decided to start Bitsy Boba because there, I think there may have been like one other boba coloring book out there, but um, I knew since I was in that space, I had friends who have boba companies um, and was in that network that I knew there was an audience for that. And with having a young son who likes coloring, I saw the fact that it's fun for kids. And as an adult, when I color with him, it's a way to de-stress and relax. So it was great to um, bring him into it as well. I had him help me come up with some of the character ideas and even the layout, like which pages should go first, what was his favorite illustration. um, And he helped me a lot with that. So it was really sort of a family effort. And it was something that kept us busy during, especially the early days of the pandemic. And I've just been growing it slowly since then. 
yeah, I can see it online just growing and all the response you're getting from it. And I was looking at your site and your social media pages and everything. And it's, it's such a cool niche that you went into. And where did you try it for the first time? Do you remember? Yeah, I do actually. So um, in college, I was fortunate enough to study abroad twice. And um, the second time I did semester at sea, which I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a program where you actually get to live on a ship for a semester. And the ship goes to, when I was on it, it went to 10 different ports. Um, so it's pretty much 10 different countries. And that's how I met people from all over the world, also all over the States. And Bubble Tea or Boba was already on the West Coast. And a, a good amount of my friends were from the West Coast. So when we were traveling in, it was in Hong Kong, one of my friends just randomly said, Bubble Tea. And I said, what, what is she talking about? And there was a uh, shop selling boba and she said, you guys have to try this because I had no idea what it was. And I tried it and I was like, oh, this stuff is because I like sweet stuff. And, you know, you can get it less sweet. But um, I think I tried a Thai iced tea at the time, which is super sweet. I was like, wow, this is really good. So when I got back home from the study abroad experience, I grew up about an hour north of New York City. So I could go into New York City relatively easily. And I had some of my friends from Semester at Sea were from that area. So I would go and visit them and we would go into... Chinatown and find bubble tea. And then it's just, you know, since then it's just expanded to where now I can even drive 10 minutes down the street and I have a local boba shop by me. So, um, yeah, that's how I discovered it. And it's just been something that's been a part of me since that experience, that first day in Hong Kong, when my friends was shouting in the streets, bubble tea. And I was like, what is she talking about? (laughs) That's one of my favorite parts of traveling is finding something, even something random, like, you know, bubble tea that you probably don't realize that years down the road, you're going to make a business out of, you know, exactly. Like I had no idea. And, um, a lot of people say I should open a boba shop at some point. And it's definitely something I've toyed around with. Um, you know, it's a huge commitment, especially right now going into the food service industry, Mm -hmm. but it is something I consider. Um, and we have, our best friends are interested in it as well. And, um, you know, we talk about it sometimes, like, should we open one? But yeah, it's just, I've always, ever since that first day, I've just loved it. And, um, I of course got my older son hooked on it now too. He likes it. (laughs) Oh, cool. Well, if you ever do open your own store, you should call it Bitsy Boba, right? Yes, I have to. Yeah. I was like, I already have a brand. I already have a following, uh, you know, on Instagram and I have merchandise I can sell because a few, a few of my friends like that I met through Instagram, um, they have boba shops and they sell my coloring book there. So there's stores oh, cool. out there that they'll sell boba merch themselves. So I figure, hey, I, I kind of put the cart before the horse. I had the merch and now maybe I'll open a shop. <laughs> <laughs> it might be actually be easier that way. Yeah, that's And you're true. already in with it too. My husband actually did a, he was an exchange student in Japan when he was oh. in high school. He loved it. Absolutely loved it. If I could go back, I wouldn't have even done... I had one friend who tried to do it as many semesters as the school would allow her. And I wish I... I kind of wish I was that assertive and, and did it maybe at least one more time um, because it's such an eye-opening experience. Yeah. So Yeah. Well, I love hearing about Bitsy Boba and all of that. And I can't wait to get our coloring book in the mail. Yeah, I hope you I'll guys enjoy come it. it too. Yeah, we'll absolutely love it. So your kids' conversation starter book. Tell me a little bit more about that and then um, what your inspiration was behind creating that book. Sure. Well, that also started at the beginning of the pandemic. I guess I kind of had like a burst of inspiration because all that free time in the sense of not being able to go anywhere. Um, But 
I I kind of decided to do that because of my older son. I would, you know, he always asks a lot of questions. He's very inquisitive and curious. And I think he takes after my brother in that sense. My brother used to like to ask questions like who would win in a fight, a cheetah or a lion. And my mom would be like, I don't know. So I think I got that idea from growing up with being exposed to that and seeing that in my son as well. And I decided you know, there are books like that out there, but I figured I could write one myself and focus on, it's not just would you rather questions, there's different chapters in it. Um, there's some questions that are all geared towards like your humorous side. There's like, if you could questions, like if you could do this, what would you do? And I think it's just a great way to inspire conversations. Um, I'm fortunate that I have a very big imagination. I've always had that. And I know that's not the case for everyone. And I think these sorts of questions can help you expand your imagination and have some interesting conversations with your family or your friends. Um, or I mentioned, you know, some readers have said they've used it with youth groups or uh, ESL learners. And it's just a great way to kind of have a new conversation that you might not have had otherwise. So that's sort of why I was inspired to write that. And um, I also had my son assist in, you know, kind of screening some of the questions. If I wasn't sure, I'd say, ask him. And if he's kind of would look at me like, huh, I don't know, I'd be like, all right, maybe I'll save that one or cut that one. And then he had some favorites. And um, even with now with marketing the book, I kind of get the whole family involved with asking the questions and giving their answers to, to kind of showcase to people what, uh, what you can find inside the book. I bet you drew some questions from just like being in the car and maybe your son or somebody in your family asked you a question. You're like, oh, that's a good question. I'm going to write that down and put it in my book. <laughs> exactly. And and even now I'm doing that because I want to work on another version, um, like a road trip one. And I've when I recently went on a long road trip, I was like, oh, okay, these are good questions that my son's asking that we're asking him to keep him busy. So I'm going to put this in my next book. <laughs> <laughs> I need that for my daughter. We went on a road trip up in like South Dakota and North Dakota area and saw Mount Rushmore and everything. And it was, it was a long drive. We were out there for a couple of weeks and she's four. She asked questions. She's been saying like, yes or no at the end. So instead of like, do you like this or this? She'll be like, do you like tigers? Yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> do you like cats? Yes or no. Or is your favorite color purple? Yes or no. And it's so cute. So I think I need to get her your book so she can kind of expand her questions that she asks instead of just yes or no. <laughs> Yeah, it'll keep her busy a little bit longer, too. Oh, that's great. And, okay, so now I know that you also um, have a true crime podcast. You do research for a couple podcasts, right? I love true crime podcasts. There's some I listen to every day, um, from just really small ones to, like, Dateline 2020. I like to listen to those. Tell me all about what you do there as well. Sure. Um, Well, it sort of happened pretty organically, but I was a listener of, there's a podcast called True Crime BS. Uh, The the title comes from something uh, the serial killer that's chronicled in the podcast said um, when he was arrested by the FBI. But it's a podcast that mostly covers uh, the serial killer Israel Keys who was arrested in 2012. So it's a, it's a newer case. And there's a lot of unknowns with his crimes in terms of crimes he committed, like bank robberies and arsons, and also who his victims were. So there's a lot of research to be done to try and uncover that and maybe get some answers for families. So I was a listener of the show, and I was doing my own research. um, And one of my friends from back home happened to also be a listener of the show. And we saw each other, found each other in the Facebook group, and we're like, oh, that's funny. Like, we're both in this Facebook group. So we started talking about the case all the time. And then she started 
we would found some pretty solid information. So we would send it to the host. And then with the pandemic, again, everything keeps coming back to the pandemic, but, um, he was, um, hosting some sort of, it's this platform called get vocal, which is sort of like a zoom where you can get on with uh, hosts of podcasts or performers and artists and actually have a conversation with them. So he was hosting those and we would go on there and talk with him. And he, we sort of just like kind of gained his trust. And he saw that some of the research we were finding had some real credibility and from there, we just formed a friendship. And now we're there's a team of about five of us who help him research for the show. And through that opportunity, um, I'm also got involved with there's an organization called Private Investigations for the Missing, which they help families of the missing if they um, don't have the means to hire a private investigator to help them investigate their case this organization will help provide that to them. And there's also a podcast affiliated with it. So I helped do some research for, for that podcast, which is called the missing. Um, that's something I started more recently, but, um, once things calm down with Q4 with the e-commerce side of things, I'll be doing some more research for them in the early part of 2022. That's incredible. You were just a fan of like true crime probably to start out with. And now you're actually involved with it, doing research and helping to find missing persons. So it's crazy too. Cause I, as a child, I kind of wanted to maybe be a detective, but then as I got older, I was like, ah, I don't think I really want to like, you know, go that line into that line of work. But now I sort of do that with my research, which is, you know, it's awesome. It's amazing. And I'm so grateful that things just, it was just very serendipitous how it all happened, but I'm glad that I found myself in this position. I'm sure that through some of these shows, there's been people found and maybe more information come through and more cases being solved. So in a way you really are a detective, you know, it's just the way things are now. You don't just have to be like, you know, in a suit and tie man out with a little, like one of those fedora going to find (laughs) what's going on. You can literally do it from home now. So I think you've also fulfilled that. (laughs) I know. And it's so true because there have been several podcasts that have helped sort of connect the dots or open information into cases. Uh, even with true crime BS, some, a case that we covered at the end of the last season, a listener heard it and she said, that kind of sounds like this uh, teacher that I knew who's been missing for the last decade. And she had a hunch and she called into the state police and they were able to identify this uh, John Doe who had went unidentified for 10 years. So he got his name back and, you know, it was amazing to play a small part in that and podcasts, you know, there are, there's obviously a pro and con to anything, especially with true crime where you have to be very careful about the ethics and um, Mm -hmm. you know, empathizing with the families, but it also can do a lot of good. So if you haven't heard, the Moms Who Create journal is here. I am so excited to share this with you all. I've created this journal for you to fill with your project ideas, whether you're a writer, artist, entrepreneur, musician, or just a creative of any kind. If you're listening to this podcast, I guarantee that this journal is for you. With over 100 blank pages to plan your dreams, here's a space for your creativity to take flight. Go to momswhocreate.com slash journal for more information. Available now on Amazon. Wow. And I wouldn't even say you played a small part. That's a significant part, no matter what you did. To do that, like, that's huge. Wow. So you do, let's see, boba, 
you have conversation starters for kids. So you have this over here, you have this here, you're helping find missing people. (laughs) So, okay. Next question. What can you not do? (laughs) No, let's say no. (laughs) Well, that's really cool. That's really, really cool that you were just doing one thing for somebody else. But then with the pandemic starting, you wanted to do things for yourself. And now you're going through all these different ventures. So what advice do you have for moms? Maybe wanting to be a creative entrepreneur, but when we're already, you know, slammed with mom life and already think that we're so busy. And when you want to create something on your own, whether it's a book or a podcast or anything, you know, you feel like you don't already have time for that just being a mom. So what is your advice for moms who either want to become entrepreneurs or just start something creative? Sure. I would say that, you know, the biggest thing is it's so hard to find time as a mom because there's so many unexpected things that arise in day-to-day life. Um, If you are a night owl or even if you're an early bird, if you can find some time in the morning or evening when the kids are still asleep and Um, you can just get some focused work done. That's what helps me. Um, I'm a night owl. So when I can, I will stay up later and I'll get my solitude and my time to write because you really need quiet for that sort of thing. And depending on what your interest is, you might need that quiet time and focus. Um, and also what helps is kind of batching things and, and breaking things up into chunks. Um, and setting yourself manageable goals that you can achieve. So in, for instance, for the questions for kids book, initially I had all these ideas and I was just writing down questions and putting them in a Google document. And then I kind of petered out and I said, well, I really want to finish this book. So I need to commit to writing a set number of questions a week. So what's feasible for me to accomplish in a week? So I said, I'm going to set out to write 20 to 30 questions a week. And I wanted to have 500. So I said, that won't, that'll take me a few weeks and then I'll have a first draft. And, you know, some weeks I may have written more because I have more time and other weeks things came up. So I had to kind of like, you know, just get done what I could get done. But it's important to just kind of give yourself whatever is feasible for your schedule, consistency and do whatever little chunks of work you can do to work towards your goal, whether it's publishing a book or creating an illustration or finishing a project that you have. Uh, And the same would go for being an entrepreneur as well. Um, And I would say with both of those things, but especially being an entrepreneur, just taking the risk too, because it's scary, especially launching a business. Um, You don't know where it's going to go and where it's going to take you. But if you have the passion for it and you've been, if it's been like nagging at you for a long time that you really want to do this, you should just jump in and do it because that's, I feel like that's your, um, yourself telling you that you really need to pursue this and it's not going to go away. You're just going to keep thinking about, I should, you know, write this book or I should start this Etsy business and I'm finally going to do it. Um, and you know, it's inspiring for your children to see that as well, um, to see what it's like for mom to create something or publish something or start a business. So I think that's what helped inspire and propel me as well was, was showing my kids what it takes to do that sort of thing. That was also good what you just said. <laughs> I I was gonna like comment on a few key things you said, but you kept saying great things that I don't remember my comments and I'm just like everything. That was all so good. I think once you put your toes in the water of what you want to do and you kind of see how much fun you have or what it could become, then it becomes like not something, okay, I have to find the time to do it. It becomes something like, oh, okay, I get to do this now, you know. I can't wait till nine thirty tonight because I'm gonna just do this. And love what you said about chunks, putting it into chunks. If you have a big project to do or a big book to write or 
um, something to record or anything. If you look at, at the big picture and you think, oh, I only have 30 minutes tonight to do that. I'm not going to work on it because I can't get anything done. But if you think I only have 30 minutes to do it, what can I get done in that time? Okay, I'll just do this tiny little thing. Because then if you know you can get that done tonight or in the morning or when your kid's at preschool or school or whatever, then it makes it more feasible and it makes it more of something that you can get done. So, And it also gives you those small wins that you said, oh, you know what? Yesterday I would, I set up my Etsy shop or whatever it is that you, you accomplish. It helps you get those small wins. And I would also just add to that, you know, give yourself some grace that there's going to be times where you don't get done what you want to do. And also where maybe you don't feel like doing something like even with Bitsy Boba, sometimes with Instagram, it can be real disheartening. Um, the engagement has been down across the board with Instagram lately. And, you know, it can get discouraging, like not seeing your follower account go up or comments on posts that you worked really hard on, especially with like a reels video and you spend a lot mm-hmm. of time on it and you get like 20 views. Um, <laughs> so just realize that that's going to happen. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean you have to quit or throw in the towel. You just got to take those roadblocks and punches as they come and just continue on. Yes. Don't let one bad day make you feel like you have a bad life. I heard that exactly. once. And I was like, I'm going to etch that into my skin. I guess not etch it. I guess I could get a tattoo. <laughs> Hurt less. But yeah, if you have any setbacks or, you know, like small steps, even if you're going to, you know, open an Etsy store with earrings you sell or something like just putting the listings on there can take forever. Like when I first put some artwork on Etsy, I was like, this isn't fun. And it's taking way too long just to put my listings on here. But, you know, small steps and, and if you have days where you don't want to do anything, then don't do anything. You know, I have like a laundry list of things I need to get done, not around that, well, around the house, but like, you know, for my own personal, like goal setting things. And a few nights ago, I was like, I, I just need a night not to do anything. And I watched this like new Netflix movie about castles because I love castles. And I just was like in a blanket all night and that's what I needed. So then the next day I was ready to do more stuff, you know, cause I felt refueled and, um, so you can, you really have to listen to your mind and your body because there's a difference between just like stopping and not wanting to work on anything anymore. Cause you're tired. And then just, you know, doing little bits here and there and working towards your goal, not stopping. Cause that's what a lot of people do. They'll, they'll start strong, especially as a mom, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this and you do it, but then it gets hard or it takes a long time. And then you kind of fizzle out and you're like, well, I got kids anyway. And so it's persistence. Also listening to yourself and just making sure you hold on to that drive and that passion to get it done. So yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. That's great advice as well. I was going to add to that with the persistence. I actually recently, I forget which Facebook group it was in because I'm in so many of them, but someone said they actually took, I think it was like six months off from their small business and they identified one thing they were really struggling with. And they said, I'm going to spend some time and focus on this and learn this. And they did. And it took them about six months, but then they went back and they said, now they are ready to go with, with their, it actually may have been one of the book groups I'm in where it was about their book that they had published. And now they're ready to focus on marketing and they're passionate about again. So sometimes you do need a little break, but just don't give up. I mean, if you Mm -hmm. already laid the groundwork and you have the passion for it, just keep going on even when things get tough. Being an entrepreneur is not an easy road, especially, you know, wanting to really create a brand in that whole realm, it's just persistence. And what does my husband call it? Um, stick to itiveness. Oh, he always I says like <laughs> stick to itiveness. It's okay. That's so true. 
And it's easy to see, like when you've seen the people who have just made it after that 10 years, it's easy to look at them and say, wow, they have this big business and they started as this small shop, small Etsy shop, but they put in all that work and persistence. Mm -hmm. And there's some people who get lucky and they're an overnight success. But for most of us, it's really just building brick by brick, you know, building up. And it, it is sometimes it gets monotonous and you're like, oh my gosh, but you have to look back at what you already did. Even if it's just, you just started, you still put all this into it and just keep continuing to grow it. And one day you'll, you'll be there, um, you know, and reach your goals. Couldn't agree more. Amen, sister. We had talked even right before we started about that. Um, I've seen it as a meme several times too, but you quit your nine to five to work 24 seven when you're an entrepreneur or a small business owner. And it's so true. Um, and the work kind of never ends, but you also get with it for depending exactly which niche or industry you're in, but you also get a lot of freedom too, which is, um, I think for moms, that's what we're looking for. The freedom to be able to say, okay, I'm going to spend some time with my children now or go to their school recital or it's a nice day. Let's take advantage and go to the park or whatever it may be. Um, you can't do that when you're at a nine to five. And, you know, if you have the opportunity to take that leap, I definitely recommend it. Um, you know, it takes, it could take a lot of planning depending on your situation and your circumstances, but if you can do it, uh, I think it's something to try out and it is a lot of work being an entrepreneur. Um, my husband is one as well, and he's been a full-time entrepreneur for a long time now, but just seeing that, yeah, the work kind of never stops, but there's also that freedom that you get with it and seeing that all the work you put in, you get out. It's not going to someone else. Um, and that's also very fulfilling and for your children to see that as well, that you could create something yourself and build it and grow it and nurture it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you keep going and keep going and uh, I feel like it can just grow and grow and grow. So eventually you won't have to do as much work to it. You know, I mean, it obviously depends on what it is, but you know, the more you grow, you can hire some more people maybe to take over some things you're doing or design this. So you do get more freedom as it goes along. And For sure, yeah. Yeah. Even if, you know, maybe, oh, I have to work on my stuff later tonight because I wanted to take my daughter to, you know, Denny's at 2 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> I said Denny's, but my daughter's like Denny's. You know, that make, that's that totally makes it worth it there, too. Because if you were working in an office somewhere, you can't be like, oh, it's two. I think I want to go get my daughter and take her to Denny's. Like, that's not how it works. But it's just so true, like, uh, you know, being your own boss. And I know there's some some of my friends, too. They say they don't want to do that. That's not for them. And that's it's not for everybody. But if it's for you and you, you can do it, I definitely recommend it. Because if there's nothing else like that freedom, uh, you really can't find that with a lot of career, other careers, you know, so Michelle, it's been so wonderful talking with you today and getting inspiration and, um, just talking about achieving your dreams. So thank you so much. So, so much for being here today. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks so much for having me. Um, and I look forward to listening to the show and other episodes as well. You can find Michelle at BitsyBoba.com or on Instagram at BitsyBoba. Don't forget to check the show notes as well for any other way to get in contact with her. Connect with me on Instagram at Moms Who Create Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.